0: Hi, this is Mike from Hershey, Trumplevania.
1: I'd rather watch that twat, Tommy Laren than listen to I Got It with Dalimore.
2: The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It With Dollamore. All right, everybody, thank you for joining us and welcome to this 281st episode of I Doubt It With Dollamore. I am your host, Jesse Dollamore, and sitting across from me, the lovely, talented, and always here, my lovely co host. Brittany Page.
3: Yes, even though we had a, a couple of technical difficulties here that have caused us to put this out a little late. Well, I'm not. A,
2: look, f- for everyone's knowledge, I am not a technology guy. Mm-hmm. I. It is. It is. It, it, look, it's a fucking miracle <laughs> that I'm able to do what we do here, uh-huh. the, the, with with the podcast and with filming and editing videos for YouTube. Yeah. It really is. It's a big deal for
3: me. <laughs> a miracle, Yeah, you I'm said. not,
2: I am not, I am not a talented guy in this arena.
3: Well, you have become a talented guy well, in this arena because you, you do do it. But well, we, of course, with technology, you run into issues. Yeah, I
2: manage. Like, I, I lecture once a semester at a local community college about podcasting at the behest of a friend who's a professor. Mm-hmm. And it's a stretch. Usually, what I like it to be is just a fucking Q and A for three hours. Because if what if they start asking about like RSS feeds and nope, I have no fucking idea. I mean, it's I really it's like pee pee my pants time. Scared because. If I get faced with those questions, then I look like a fraud. (laughs) You know what I mean? I mean, it's that childhood insecurity coming back.
3: Yeah. Everyone's going to find out that I'm a fraud. Imposter syndrome.
2: (laughs) Is that what it's called? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
3: So you would think you don't want the Q&A then because they would ask you a technical question that you don't know how to answer and you'd be like, "Uh, I suck. I
2: think up front, I really just say, look, I'm not the tech guy. Yeah. Uh, Ask your professor about that stuff. I'm not. I don't know about that stuff. I have. My I have people who help me with that, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Anyway, that's why we're 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 a couple late. That's just what happens. And fucking, <laughs> like, if you're pissed off about it, then you know you've got issues you need to deal with <laughs> on your own. I'm sure Brittany can refer refer you to a wonderful practitioner of mental health. <laughs> um. Oh, speaking of that, yeah. Sp- I, that's perfect. I just transitioned myself. You did it. Uh, we did put out an episode a bonus episode with someone Brittany really admires. I wouldn't say a hero, but somebody Brittany very much admires in the psychiatry, psychology world. Mm -hmm. Dr. Alan Francis. If you're a loyal listener, I know you've already checked it out and listened to it. We'd love feedback on it. And if you haven't, if you haven't subscribed to the show and you don't get it sent to you, you need to do that because it was a great
4: episode.
3: Yeah, I really enjoyed having him on. I we actually did get some feedback and someone said that they could tell how excited I was. It sounded like I was smiling the whole time I was talking.
4: <laughs> yeah.
3: So that made me feel really lame. But, um, <laughs> I, how
2: dare you think that Britney smiles?
3: <laughs> I was very excited because I, I do respect Dr. Alan Francis and he's inspirational because he is able to be in the community but still remain skeptical and critical Be a pillar of the field. Be a
2: pillar in the community.
3: Yeah. And and he can still be critical of the field while he's working in it. And that balance is really cool. I don't think that people generally do that. It's oh, this is my field, I'm gonna defend it. You're all in. Endlessly. Yeah. Um, I think that's more common and he's a little bit more open to criticism.
2: Sure. I like the fact that well, you know, we've seen him on CNN several times and he does interviews in major media outlets all the time and he's a very very serious, very yeah. stoic guy. Yes. It was nice that he was able to crack that nut a little bit and have him joke around and give me shit.
3: Yeah. Why I, did
2: why did crack that nut make you get make a face?
3: I I don't know. Um He was a
2: tough nut to crack. <laughs> yeah. I'm yes. not talking
3: about giving him a handy, Brittany. I understand. <laughs> I very much understand that. Yeah, I I agree. And he had a lot of fun. He yeah. said that even off air. So it was it was nice to have that conversation. I think that people will get a lot out of it, too, because it's really popular right now to talk about Donald Trump's mental health. Right. And a lot of people, like you were being called an amateur psychologist, <laughs> who... ...are diagnosing him with things, yeah. not really understanding what that means. Yeah, or... I wasn't
2: really diagnosing him. I said he's just a fucking idiot.
3: Well, y- He's he... not
2: smart. That's not diagnosing him with anything other than stupidity.
3: Dr. Francis was calling you an amateur psychologist, so that's <laughs> that's what I'm referring to.
2: Well, looks like one of us has been called a psychologist before the other.
3: <laughs> <laughs> that is true. That's true.
2: Although, I, it was probably meant to be more of a slight.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I'll take what I can get, Brittany Page. Yes. I will take what I can get. <laughs> all right. So this is the time of the show obviously where we cover voicemails and emails, but we are go- there's too much going on with Donald Trump's speech, with the the, the all the Russia bullshit that's coming out. It just it, there's a tremendous <laughs> amount of stuff to get to. But before we do, there's an awesome article that, that kind of it's I guess this would be follow up because it's something we've talked about in the past relative to unfriending or muting or generally disconnecting from people on Facebook that we wanted to talk about.
3: Right. This article is oh, hang on one more thing.
2: But we love you guys. Thank you for communicating all the voicemails, all the emails. We definitely read all of them. We definitely listen to all of them. If you'd like to communicate with the show, 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone, like so many of you have done, to idoubtit at com. All right.
3: So this article is on OdinText.com. And I had never heard of that website, but they have this very interesting research that they talk about related to unfriending people on Facebook. And it starts off by asking, when's the last time you unfriended someone on Facebook?
2: I, I have no idea. I don't know that I ever have done it.
3: Oh, well, I have. And Oh, no. Recently,
2: I did. Yeah. yeah I re- a couple of people.
3: I recently unfriended. I actually full blocked them. Yeah, I recently blocked someone, and I kind of was trying to make it like a part of who I am that I didn't block people, (laughs) and I didn't delete people for some reason. I don't know why.
2: I don't know why you're laughing. I was the same way. I felt very, very strongly about it.
3: Yeah, and then this guy became very vicious toward me, and every comment was, I was a dumb bitch, and... Oh, you know, I know who you're talking about, whatever. It it just it was very hostile all the time. And it would make me so angry that I couldn't (laughs) do anything. This
2: guy was also a full blown sold out, died to the wool conspiracy theorist, which is frustrating in and of itself without all the dumb bitch comments.
3: Right. So I just blocked him and it's been a lot better. it's it's
2: better for your mental health you're not stressed out you're not you know focused on this guy being malicious
3: well it's not stress it's more anger
2: yeah well that's uh, but that's a stressor is it not
3: yes and the fact that i couldn't do anything to
2: beat the fuck out of him
3: no just (laughs) anyway okay so uh, (laughs) um this is talking about something a little different though it 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 In the article, they say about 76% of Facebook users they contacted in a recent text analytics poll told them that they had unfriended someone. So 76% Mm -hmm. of the Facebook users they contacted. And this was about 1,500 people. So that's, that's pretty high of people deleting someone they know on Facebook. Sure. So they wanted to kind of dive into the reason why. So they didn't just ask them, did you unfriend someone on Facebook? They said, if you have... Why did you do that? Yeah. So, shockingly, political views was not number 1.
2: <laughs> wow.
3: Because to me, it seems like that is what I- is most common, right?
2: Or would be the the most likely cause, especially in the climate in which we live right now. Yeah. Yeah.
3: But the the first reason was inappropriate or offensive content. Hmm. Which is interesting.
2: So like, I voted for Trump. Oh, that's fucking offensive. <laughs>
3: Uh, no, apparently it it includes things like profanity, racism, graphic sexual content.
2: That shouldn't be there anyway on Facebook.
3: Yeah, I tried to post a a photo of Melania Trump one time, and it was immediately removed. So right, I don't right. I don't know. I mean, yeah. I think you have to report it. But also, maybe, maybe you got
2: deleted over that.
3: Yeah. <laughs> also, apparently, lifestyle choices or social views that people found personally objectionable. So. That seems
4: political. Yeah, yeah.
3: Political is tied into that. Political sure. views are tied into I that. I think so. So the second reason was no longer friends, grew apart, tired of them. Wow. <laughs> Just generally sick of somebody.
2: I guess so. <laughs> Fuck them, I guess. <laughs>
3: and then the third reason, finally, political views. Huh.
2: So, the third reason? Yes. It's pretty shocking. I wonder if the, the people who conducted the study or the research, if they were shocked by this, if they went into this thinking that the number one thing was for sure going to be politics. That's kind of a no-brainer. And then they were like, holy shit, that's not it at all. It's right. naked ladies. <laughs>
3: yeah, well, they they dove into the political reason and found that 79% of people that deleted for a political reason deleted because it was too political, and then 12% deleted because of Trump, mm-hmm. 6% deleted because of liberal posts, and 3% deleted because of conservative posts. Hmm. Which is interesting. I, uh,
2: I I haven't deleted because of politics. In fact, my whole my whole viewpoint on this has had to change because when no one knew who the fuck I was. I mean, not very many people know who I am now. But when it was nobody, um, I had that staunch view. But since then, I've had I get messaged several times a week, many times a week with people just being abusive and tell, calling me a piece of shit. I should start posting them on the Facebook page, but th- there's a couple guys who daily message me memes and, you know, call me names or whatever about my political views. And I deleted one or I blocked one of them and then regretted it and felt really bad about it and then unblocked them. And Now I'm regretting having done that. I think I should go back and fuck that guy. He doesn't need access to my page. He's not a friend even. Right. This is those messages that you get. I don't know how many people even get these messages because they're not in a weird situation that I am where I'm some kind of a pseudo public figure where I get message requests and you can accept or decline them in the other box on on Facebook Messenger.
3: It's, It's a message from anyone that's not your friend. That's right.
2: And... I never accept or decline them, so they don't even know that I've read them or not. But a lot of them are, you know, fuckers. Right. (laughs) So some of those people I think I should just block right away. They're never going to see me again. I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of evolving on it because of my personal bullshit that's going on.
3: Right. Well, I think this is... Friends. Right. This is Friends. And it's a little different if you're actually clicked the ad for i guess this is different for you too because you add a lot of people that aren't actually people you know yeah yeah. so it it, it's for people not like you okay (laughs) that i'm the exception that use their facebook not for primarily for promotion yeah yeah of ideas or themselves but to be in a community with their friends or people that they know
2: talk about how they just did laundry and they're gonna feed the kids macaroni and cheese tonight
3: Whatever people choose to do. <laughs> Listen, I, I post food, food pics, so...
2: Uh, yeah, I'm I'm with you.
3: I take pictures of all my food. This is like an event for me.
2: Did you take a picture of the bagels we had this morning?
3: No, but I thought about it. <laughs> I thought about it several times. So, so,
2: what's the takeaway here?
3: The takeaway is that people aren't deleting, according to this one survey, based on political views is the number one reason it's inappropriate offensive content, no longer friends with the person, grew apart, but political views do play a role and people are definitely deleting their friends because of differing political views.
2: Are you are you changing your personal policy on this at all? Has it has it uh, evolved or grown or devolved as it were?
3: I still believe that you should not delete someone because of their political views. I I have never done that and instead I always engage someone I disagree with and that ends up getting me deleted typically which so, is
2: kind of a victory in and of itself
3: it happens quite often and
2: <laughs> Brittany's down to like 15 friends on Facebook everybody well
3: no it's just when someone is repeatedly posting p- political things and typically they and just, never wanting pushback yeah they only want comments that are like oh yeah you're so right this is great um no, and yeah. <laughs> And I come in there, and I disagree, and then that's not good. And I always do it respectfully. I'm never insulting. I never do that kind of stuff. No,
2: you are the most metered Facebook arguer that I've ever, ever, ever witnessed. But
3: then I get told to leave America and by an Abraham Lincoln impersonator, of all people. And... That's... She's... <laughs> <laughs> you are not kidding. No, I'm not kidding. You're, she's
2: not kidding. It's
3: particularly offensive. She
2: was deleted by a man who is a a, <laughs> a a an Abraham Lincoln impersonator on top of his side job doing something selling real estate or something. Who would buy a house What does he do for a living, you remember?
3: No, I don't remember.
2: I was going to say. Yeah. But who would do business with a guy who looks like fucking Abe Lincoln?
3: <laughs> I don't know.
2: You think he's You think he's he's parlaying that honest Abe thing into himself like, "Hey, I look like him. I got to be honest.
3: He loves Donald Trump this guy. Oh
2: yeah. Sold out for Trump. Told Britney to leave America. Yeah. Because she is not a fan of Donald Trump. Also
3: a very passionate Christian. Of
2: course.
3: Um and
2: <laughs> we need to come up with a, like a faux Christian or some some word to indicate that they're Listen, you can't be Truly, a lover and follower of Jesus Christ, and the and the red words in the Bible, and be a okay with Donald Trump as your leader. You just can't do it. I I defy anyone to try to make that case,
3: or to tell me that you don't need me and to leave America. Yeah, it's kind of mean.
2: GTFO, Brittany. My f-
3: my feelings are hurt.
2: Come on now.
4: <laughs> <laughs> me!
2: you don't like it?
5: Get out of America. <laughs>
2: This is Trump country here. Yeah. All right, guy who lives in Idaho. Cool. You may live in Trump country. We here in Los Angeles, eh, not really Trump country. But
3: listen, it's sounding really, really, (laughs) really pessimistic.
2: We've gone off the rails.
3: It's sounding pessimistic, but I want to say really quick, this is the last thing, is that there's been many instances where people have messaged me and said that, you know, they don't get involved in Facebook debates, but they read them and... These are from people who never like my things, never... I forgot they existed, right? Every
2: once in a while, you're like, yeah, where have they been? And you check to see if they're still friends. Yeah. Maybe they told you to fuck off.
3: Right. I've had people (laughs) like that message me and say, "I, I appreciate these things that you're saying. I'm reading them. Please keep up what you're doing. So even if you feel like your arguments on Facebook are not going anywhere, they might not be doing anything for the person that you're speaking to. But they could be doing something for someone who's reading it on the sidelines.
2: Especially if you do it like Brittany, and you're level-headed, and you're cool, calm, and collected when you when you communicate. Right. I, I don't really have that ability. I get too fucking freaked out. <laughs> so it's just it's what it is. I, I I just I I get a little fiery.
3: I get too freaked out. And you it's you
2: awesome. you're awesome at it. You are really trying to persuade them with with un. Emotional facts, unemotional facts. Right. Yeah.
3: I want to talk about one more study. All right. And
2: this segment brought to you by Pew Pew. Pew 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 it right? is
3: not Pew 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 um, <laughs> thank you for that so same-sex marriage policy has been linked to a drop in teen suicide attempts
2: oh i did want to talk about this
3: and suicide is the second leading cause of death in young people between ages 15 and 24 and for lesbian gay bisexual and questioning students the risk is much higher in a new pediatric study by julia raifman and colleagues This report that she produced said that state enacted laws that legalize same sex marriage were linked to a significant reduction in the rate of suicide attempts by high school students. It's awesome. Yeah. So they asked her what motivated this study. She says, The study was motivated by evidence that lesbian, gay, and bisexual adolescents experience a number of health disparities. And I wondered whether unequal rights might be associated with them. I chose to focus on adolescent suicide attempts as one of the most extreme health disparities. In our study, 29% of lesbian, gay, bisexual, and questioning students reported attempted suicide, attempting suicide in the past year, relative to 6%. Of heterosexual adolescents wow so again that's 29 versus six percent
2: unbelievable
3: so what were the results she found that state same-sex marriage policies were associated with a lower proportion of adolescents attempting suicide they found that there was a seven percent reduction in suicide attempts they calculated that that would be equivalent to more than 134 fewer adolescents attempting suicide each year Based on the population of the United States,
2: I'm glad they put it in real human numbers because seven percent—that's just a—it's a, just a random. Right. We're talking about you know hundreds of lives. We're talking about lives, real people. Right. So, so a, a state like Massachusetts, which long ago legalized gay marriage or marriage equality, they have a lower teen LGBTQ uh, suicide rate, probably than. Kentucky or North Carolina
3: mm-hmm. or
2: another, you know, Trump state.
3: Well, and who would have thought that acceptance, compassion, right. understanding would play a role in someone having better mental health. Right. Who would have thought?
2: That you're you're not a scourge.
3: Yeah, you're not an abomination. We're
2: normalizing this because it's something to be normalized. This is normal.
3: So I wonder what people who oppose same-sex marriage think when they read this. Is it this is not true? They have to deny it.
2: Fake news, Brittany.
3: <laughs> because this, this has this has real-world consequences. Yes. This is important
2: for for real individuals. This isn't some macro thing. This is affecting lives. P- children who haven't yet fully formed mentally are making life ending decisions based on the fact that they don't feel welcome based on all kinds of stressors in their lives and legislation like all these trans bathroom laws and of course you know same-sex marriage the the direction that a state legislature goes and of course the governor in signing that legislation has an absolute impact on their lives and lawmakers should take that into account and not be, be such fucking maniacs You know, in states like Tennessee and Kentucky and Mississippi and Alabama, Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina.
3: You guys know the ones.
2: West Virginia, (laughs) Texas, Louisiana, Arkansas, Missouri, Indiana, Governor Mike Pence, Idaho. Terrible. It's an abomination. That's what the abomination is here that we have humans with the lives of other humans in their hands, and they're making the choice to ostracize these children, like these trans bathroom laws. It's fucking sickening.
6: Support for I Doubt It With Dollimore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like yourself by way of Patreon. You can contribute per episode, as much or as little as you'd like comforted by the knowledge that you're within your budget and helping move the conversation forward one podcast at a time if you too would like to become a supporter please visit patreon.com/
3: I doubt it with Shelby Shelby and charity
2: charity yes thank you guys so very much we are seriously it's been a renaissance of people checking out PayPal checking out uh, patreon. To support the show, and we are rapidly approaching our next goal, which we're going to be adding a third show a week. We're not sure exactly what day or whatever. We're going to figure all that out. One thing we are trying, to, we're we're considering, we're kicking around here, and I want to get the audience's feedback. Is we're considering going from a episode per episode pledge kind of a situation to a monthly pledge. Because we get emails and, and and stuff all the time of people saying, I can't figure out Patreons being fuckers and they won't let us do a quarter an episode like you talk about. So it's like two dollars a month. Right. It's not letting us do that. Yeah. So some people have just done like a five dollar per episode pledge and then done their their monthly max at five dollars. Yeah. And then that kind of skews the we listen, we're not bitching. That's awesome. We love you guys. We appreciate the donation for sure. Absolutely love the support, but it skews the the, the metric by which we're measuring getting to the next level to do a third show. Yes. So I think I just decided. I think we're going to go monthly. I just convinced myself. (laughs) Fuck you guys. (laughs) Um, I don't need your advice. I don't know. Are you convinced or should we...
3: I'm not convinced. So right. that is why I said um and acted very uncomfortable when you made the decision. All um right. <laughs> so I think we should still see what people think about that. So let us know. Email us, message us on Patreon, whatever you think is best.
2: Or if you're not a Patreon supporter or PayPal supporter, you really can't do that. So six five seven four six four seventy-six zero nine. I doubt it at Dollamore.com.
3: And One week from today will be the March Google Hangout. And then that is uh, March 10th at 8 p.m. Friday. And we have another one on Saturday, March 11th at 10 a.m. And those are both Los Angeles time. I'm going to be sending a message out to the patrons and PayPal supporters. So just want to announce it here as well so that everyone has all the information.
2: All the avenues by which to hear it. Yes. All right. democracy facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. All right. Well, listen, all kinds of stuff has gone on. We've got the speech to cover. We've got the fact that the Obama, let's just start there. Let's start with the fact that the Obama administration in the waning days of the 44th president's time in office, they were scrambling, trying to save. The intel information that they had about the Russian intervention into the election.
1: Some breaking news on this front, just in from the New York Times this evening. New reporting tonight about what the Obama administration learned in its final days about Russian interference in the presidential election and the remarkable steps it took to protect the evidence from the incoming administration. This piece, again, just out in the last hour, the New York Times reporting that as the Obama administration learned more about these possible contacts between Russia and close associates of Donald Trump during the campaign. The White House tried to spread the information it was gathering to as many government agencies as possible, in part to prevent the incoming Trump administration from finding, covering up, or destroying the evidence. Joining us now, one of the reporters who broke the story tonight. It's a triple byline piece in The Times. Matthew Rosenberg is with us. Matthew, to start with, how does an administration go about Spreading out and squirreling away evidence they fear could get lost with the change of government?
7: Well, it does a few different things. You know, you have to remember a lot of the intel on this is coming in really late. They're recognizing November, December, January, this kind of scope of this Russian campaign, and the suspicions about contacts, what these contacts between the Trump, Trump associates and, and Russians were. And so they're rushing to kind of take all this raw intelligence put it into finished analyses, finished reports, and then kind of do those reports at the lowest level of classification that they could possibly do so that as many people in the government could read it. And the, the idea there was that you know you don't want to be in a situation where only so many people know it. It's much easier to contain that information. So you spread it out, and then you take that raw intel and you take the the, the most sensitive Information, the sources names, the human intelligence names, and you put that into the deepest compartments you can find um, into places where only people with intelligence clearances are going to get to it you 're not going to get a political appointees looking at it, things like that and I think that was kind of the bigger I- that was the bigger idea here that you wanted to get this out there and you wanted to then leave a bit of a trail of breadcrumbs such as it is for investigators, especially congressional investigators. One of the ways you could do that, and and we were told people did, is every day there are intelligence briefings that go on. You ask a brief for specific questions. They have to come back with written answers. Those written answers are archived, and any, say, Senate investigator would know to go look at them.
1: Uh, Your headline is grabbing enough, and it came in as a New York Times alert on a lot of people's devices tonight. Obama administration rushed to preserve intelligence of Russian election hacking. But it's your second graph that reads so stone cold that you realize... This has to be seen as at least a potential uh, uh, threat to this administration. American allies, including the British and the Dutch, have provided information describing meetings in European cities between Russian officials and others close to Russia's President Vladimir Putin and associates of President-elect Trump, according to three former American officials who requested anonymity in discussing classified intelligence. Separately, American intelligence agencies had intercepted communications of Russian officials, some of them within the Kremlin, discussing contacts with Mr. Trump's associates. Uh, it goes on from there. Um, what happens now? What, um, uh, knowing about the bulk of what's there to be discovered, what is already known with, to some people with security clearances, how does this affect the ongoing investigations?
7: Look, I, I want to be, be fair to the people who were having these meetings, that, that what was going on in those meetings is, is still remarkably unclear, and, and, and nobody knows for sure. Those conversations, we're talking about these contacts, but what exactly they were doing with them, still is not clear. And, and even who exactly, if, what the Trump people knew, some of these Trump people were business people meeting with other business people. Unfortunately, in Russia, there are very blurry lines between who's in business, who's in intelligence. But I I think the bigger point here is is there are questions that need to be answered. And, and, and and, And this is going to push for more of those answers. Because right now, the never happened, didn't see it, don't know anything about it, that just isn't lining up with what a lot of other people are telling
1: us. Matthew Rosenberg, one of three authors of tonight's breaking news in the New York Times. Matthew, along with Adam Goldman, Michael Schmidt uh, in Washington. Thank you so very much for finding time to be with us (laughs) at the top of our broadcast tonight. Again, the piece is on the New York Times website. So I know I've said this before, and it bears
2: repeating, that this is a big, big deal. This is not going away. This isn't one of those scandals that oh yeah whatever happened with that that's not how this thing's going to end this is going to end I believe in Donald Trump being taken out of office whether he resigns like Nixon did prior to being impeached or before articles of impeachment have a time have uh, uh, an opportunity to be drawn up I, I think we're looking at a Mike Pence presidency here This is a big fucking deal.
3: I don't know that Donald Trump has the insight or the ability to accept reality enough to step down. I think that he's going to have to be forced out. You think he
2: likes the pageantry of it all, the show of it all, going through the trial in the Senate? Because that's what happens. Yes, I think that a public trial that will be televised fucking gavel to gavel on TV like Clinton's was. And
3: he'll be tweeting on the way there, <laughs>
4: yeah.
3: uh, live tweeting it. I mean, this is, it almost seems like a joke for him. I don't know if people saw the tweet from today about uh, Chuck Schumer saying that they should investigate Chuck Schumer's ties to Putin, and he posted a picture of Chuck Schumer and Putin. He just thinks this is a joke.
2: I, I can't look at it any other way. I can't uh, discern this any other way than that, than him thinking this is some kind of a an intricate reality show.
3: Yeah, I, I. It's. I mean, very... I don't want to diagnose
2: him because <laughs> I am now, you know, an amateur psycho analyst.
3: Yeah. <laughs> Good job. A lot of hard work to get to that point. But
2: he, here, here's another big deal that I that, that I think one, I don't think this is being covered enough. But, but the other thing is the Dutch and the British. There are also European intelligence agencies. Who are reporting and giving over reams of information about meetings that took place in Russian cities, in European cities, with Russian officials and Trump campaign people. That This was all documented because foreign governments, just like we do, they monitor the activities of foreign uh, actors in the, in their countries. And, oh... There's Kislyak. Oh, there's the chief of staff of Kislyak, who's the Russian ambassador. Mm -hmm. Oh, and look who he's with. Oh, Michael Cohen. Weird. I don't know that that's the name. I'm just throwing that out there. I don't want to mislead the audience. But they are reporting. It might not have been the CIA who was there and watched it go down. But there are intelligence agencies, respected intelligence agencies across this uh, planet who are, who were there, who did witness what went down. And likely, there's way more to come out. Like he was just saying, that it takes a little while to decompress because there are channels. um, Intelligence is compartmentalized. And one, that's to keep secrets. But the other reason is because there are uh, areas of expertise that each individual analyst has. Mm -hmm. And it takes a while to not decode, let's say, but make sense of everything that they get piecing together puzzle pieces. Right. And we're only a couple months out, in another couple months, this is going to be a fucking nightmare for Donald Trump way more than it is now.
3: Yeah, and I want to say that your point about how this isn't being covered enough is so true. And it's unfortunate because we live in this time where if it's if it's a meme, it gets a lot of views, it gets a lot of shares, everyone loves it because it's easy to digest. It's quick. It doesn't take a lot of time. This New York Times article breaking this news is very lengthy. Right. It takes some time to read it, really figure out what's going on. And we live in in a time where people don't want to do that. And it's unfortunate because they'd rather watch the video of the wife of the Navy SEAL and the applause and just talk about that for hours rather than talk about important issues.
2: Reading takes effort. It takes time. And let me tell you something. This is where print media gets it done. If you have a few extra dollars that you're not willing to give to us and support the show, (laughs) go subscribe to a newspaper or a magazine. And I don't mean Maxim. I mean a, a hard journalism magazine because that is where the work gets done. Deep dive, hard hitting pieces from the Washington Post and the New York Times, even the L.A. Times for that matter. They do good work and they should be supported because they drive really the bulk of the information that's being released right now isn't from guys like Brian Williams or Jake Tapper. God love him. It's from guys like 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 this dude who did this reporting and I'm not even sure who it was. I you know, I'm 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 at fault. They should be the, the rock stars of the journalism world, not guys who you just see on TV. So. Anyway,
3: Matthew Rosenberg, Adam Goldman, and Michael Schmidt.
2: Awesome. My, I know Michael Schmidt. Okay. Yeah. Bro-
3: broke this news yeah, about yeah. the Obama intelligence.
2: Good. All right. Well, let's move on. And this is still involved in all of this. Um, it came out that Attorney General, now Attorney General, former um, Senator for Alabama, Jeff Sessions, who was an early adopter of Donald and supporter of Donald Trump, it has come out that he absolutely had contact not just with any Russians during the campaign, but with Ambassador Kislyak himself, the same man that Michael Flynn ended up having to quit his goddamn job over as national security advisor. He met with Kislyak over the phone. He talked to Kislyak a couple times. That's what brought him down because he lied about it. Now we're finding out that uh, that Attorney General Jeff Sessions also lied about it. Lied under oath
1: to the committee during his confirmation hearings. 922 Eastern Time, and here we were with pre-existing plans to take on this topic for two hours tonight. And here tonight, we're presiding over a discussion featuring now two breaking newspaper stories, the papers that are battling over news in the Trump era, the New York Times. And now the Washington Post is out with a headline that reads, Sessions, the attorney general, spoke twice with Russian ambassador, during Trump's presidential campaign, justice officials say. So this is landing with a thud in inboxes and tomorrow morning on uh, door stoops uh, around Washington and New York. Adam Entis, one of uh, this is also a triple byline, one of the um, journalists with The Washington Post, has been able to join us by telephone. Adam, as best you can. How do we know that this happened? Why didn't we know previously that this has happened? After all, this is the uh, uh, attorney general, uh, longtime member of the US Senate prior to that, who has just been through a confirmation process.
4: Right. So we had heard from uh, sources that there was an encounter between uh, Kislyak, the Russian ambassador, and Sessions uh, in July uh, on the sidelines of the Republican National Convention. Uh, and basically what we did was we we, we asked uh, the question, uh, you know, did he have that meeting? Uh, did he have other meetings? Uh, and then we looked closely at his testimony and we realized that he had been asked about this uh, both, uh, both uh, orally uh, in his confirmation hearings with the uh, Senate uh, Judiciary Committee and also in response to written questions uh, from, uh, uh, you know, from members of the panel. And so uh, those two things just did not uh, mesh. And, uh, and so uh, as we saw with, uh, with Michael Flynn, uh, you know, the, the issue here for us uh, is often, often is fact checkers uh, just trying to verify that what is said uh, publicly is actually uh, the case.
1: Now, I know, you know, you do news and not analysis, but why one of the reasons this is going to be so important and so germane to the current conversation uh, is uh, can there be an investigation headquartered inside. Uh, the the Justice Department structure inside the Trump administration, Senator Sessions was among the first elected officials in this country to come out in favor of Donald Trump, thick and thin. He's there now at the finish as attorney general. Or uh, will this uh, be fuel to that effort to get this investigation out from under the umbrella of the administration, correct?
4: Yeah, I I think that's uh, obviously the next uh, step here is the question, um, you know, uh, is there an issue here uh, with uh, Sessions remaining, uh, the person in charge of this, uh, and uh, and or should he uh, look at uh, recusing himself? Uh, He hasn't ruled out recusing himself. He so far, uh, you know, has not responded to calls that he do so.
2: Well, now we know, and we'll get to this, but he did recuse himself which seems like the least that he should be doing. I believe that he should resign. That's really the only, the, only, the only method by which he extracts himself from this controversy because he's still leading the Justice Department, having lied under oath to Senator Al Franken from Minnesota. That's a problem. Here is Don Lemon talking about that very thing.
8: This is, uh, this is what Al Franken is saying now. He said, when then-Senator Jeff Sessions testified under oath during his confirmation hearing to become attorney general, he explicitly told me the, that he had not been in contact with Russian officials in the course of the presidential campaign. But according to a report from The Washington Post, he actually met with the Russian ambassador during that time period. If that's true, then I am very troubled that his response to my questioning during his confirmation hearing was at best misleading. It's clearer than ever now that the Attorney General cannot in good faith oversee an investigation at the Department of Justice and the FBI of the Trump-Russia connection, and he must recuse himself immediately. Evan?
0: Don, I mean, what's happening tonight is this is, uh, I mean, I've been here in Washington for for many years, and and I've seen the opposing party immediately go to uh, an Attorney General is in trouble, he should recuse himself. What we what we haven't seen before is within a month of taking office. Now, Jeff Sessions has been in office now just a couple of weeks, and now you have not only people asking for him to recuse himself from an investigation that is ongoing, but now you have people who are saying that he should resign because he misled members of Congress. I think that is uh, uh, something that we haven't
2: seen before. And here's the deal. In his written interview, because questions are asked On the record, but in written form to these nominees for cabinet posts, attorney general being one of them. And he was directly asked, have you had contact with Russian officials during the campaign? And his simple answer was a one word, no. When asked by, like I said, Senator Al Franken of Minnesota, the same question, this was his answer.
8: If there is any evidence that anyone affiliated with the Trump campaign communicated with the Russian government in the course of this campaign, what will you do? Senator Franken, I'm not aware of um, any of those activities. I have been
0: called a surrogate at a time or two in that campaign, and I did have, not have communications with the Russians.
2: Um, I have been called a surrogate during the campaign. And I did not have communications with the Russians. And the question wasn't, did, what did you talk about if you talked to the Russians? It was, during the campaign, did you have communication with Russian officials in any capacity about any topic? Right. Right. And he
0: says, I have been called a surrogate at a time or two in that campaign,
2: and I did have, not have communications with the Russians. Liar. He met twice during the campaign with the Russian ambassador, Kislyak. What, what is there to hide here? If there's nothing to hide, if it was just innocent meetings, like he says, then why lie about it? Mm-hmm. Because this is the most important job interview of your fucking life. Right. This isn't just like a... a, You're just having a couple of conversations with some buddies about stuff there. Sessions. No. This is under oath. Right. This is... You don't just like, oh, I don't really remember. It's not that big a deal. It's a fucking big deal.
3: Well, and apparently after the hearing, they even have the opportunity to go over the transcripts and correct the record. Right. Right. So not only did he lie right here, but then when he had the moment to go over the transcripts and correct anything, he also failed to make any kind of correction.
2: Absolutely. The other thing is, is supposedly senior, a couple of different senior staff members attended this meeting with him, with Kislyak. And when they heard him say, oh, yeah, uh, nope, never had a meeting. They didn't come and say, oh, hey, by the way, uh, I don't know if you forgot, which is a ridiculous assertion that he would forget meeting with a Russian ambassador that, uh, oh, hey, we did. We were there. So you you might want to go back and change your testimony or or just oh, say, hey, I forgot, but you need to volunteer that. No, no, that's not what happened. What happens is finally he decides to recuse himself only once it's made public. Because if we didn't know this now, hadn't we learned that he met with a a Russian spy recruiter, Kislyak? He would still be attorney general. He would still be presiding over the investigation. And we would be none the wiser. It's only because of the quote-unquote fake news news the press and the media, the constitutionally protected free press that's doing their job in revealing this information, it's only because of them that we know. Here's a clip of Jeff Sessions from 1999 talking about a presidential impeachment of Bill Clinton. Listen to his words and apply them not only to Donald Trump but apply them to he, to himself, to Jeff Sessions. Republicans, the Republicans, people
8: see things differently just because than just what party you belong to. Uh, I am concerned about uh, a president under oath uh, being alleged to have committed perjury. I hope that he can rebut that and prove that did not happen. I hope he can show he did not commit obstruction of justice and that he can complete his term. but there are serious allegations that that occurred. And in America, the Supreme Court and the American people believe no one is above the law. And uh, the president has uh, gotten himself into this fix that is very serious. Uh, I intend to give him an absolutely
2: fair trial. He's concerned about a a president who's been accused of perjury. Well, you're an attorney general who has been accused of perjury. There are accusations all over the place right now that that is what happened. Right. You were asked a direct question, you gave a direct answer, and you gave a false answer. That is a lie. You were under oath. There are hundreds of pictures of you with your little body and your arms stretched out, (laughs) taking the oath, swearing before God, since you're such a man of God, that you would tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth liar but what is there to hide look I have a clip here of of him recusing himself I'm not going to play it because we know now that he has recused himself but what's the deal here if there's nothing to hide why all the secrets why all the obfuscation
3: right well something that's interesting to me too is that he's recusing himself but before he announced that he was doing that Donald Trump said that he is standing by him, doesn't think it's necessary for him to recuse himself. Right. Why isn't the administration on the same page here? Because Donald Trump said it wasn't necessary, the White House said it wasn't necessary, and then he recuses himself. Why aren't they all on the same page? Well, I think
2: it's kind of a cover his own ass thing now. Now he needs he needs to not just protect the president, he needs to protect himself from criminal prosecution.
3: Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah.
2: And don't let anybody tell you that this isn't a big deal that there isn't ah uh, this is just democrats trying to cause problems for this president cuz they don't like him that's not it there is something going on here with russia otherwise there wouldn't be all the different stories here are the different times not all of them in fact but here are a few different times where donald trump has been asked over the course of the last year or so about his relationship with putin and if he was telling the truth, it would either be a, yeah, I know him. We're not close. I, I haven't had any real bu- business dealings with him or whatever his answer would be. Or it would be no. Because if he if he doesn't know him, he doesn't know him. If he does, he does. But that's not the case here.
0: What exactly is your relationship with Vladimir Putin? I have no relationship with Putin. I have no relationship with him. But if do you have a relationship with Vladimir Putin? I do have a relationship, and I can tell you that he's very interested in what we're doing here today. I have nothing to do with Putin. I've never spoken to him. I don't know anything about him other than he will respect me. You know, I was in Moscow a couple of months ago. I owned the Miss Universe pageant, and they treated me so great. Putin even sent me a present, beautiful present, with a beautiful note. I spoke to all of his people. And I got to know him very well because we were both on 60 Minutes. We were stable mates. We did 60 Minutes together. By the way, not together together, meaning he was probably shot in Moscow. Well, He was in no, Moscow, no, you're in New, in New York. York. I spoke indirectly and directly with President Putin, who could not have been nicer. I don't know Putin. I I'm have not, no I'm idea. Asking you I'm asking I never you met down. Putin. This is not my best friend.
3: So... Just for context, this isn't on a a timeline where it goes from recent to the past that's or right. past to recent. It is all over the place. Right.
2: One of these clips when he says, yeah, he ha- does have a relationship with that's from 2013. Right. And then when he's talking about uh, owning the Miss- uh, universe pageant, that's 2014. Right. So th- then he acted like he knew him really well. Now is when he's acting like he doesn't know him.
3: Right. But even recently, there was one where he admitted he owned the Miss Universe pageant. I believe that clip was from when he was campaigning.
2: Oh, yeah. Maybe so. Maybe so. And but but certainly he used to know him. Now he doesn't.
3: Yeah. So he's just all over the place and he is lying. One of these things is not true.
2: That's exactly right. They can't. They can't exists at the same time
3: and what i'm trying to convey is that he relatively recently was saying these contradicting statements so it isn't as though he either recently met putin right And Right. and then it changed yes no those statements about the miss universe pageant that was years ago when the miss universe pageant was in russia so this is problematic And what do his supporters think? That's where I was going with this. About his directly contradicting statements on this issue. Why? Why is he saying this? Why
2: are their heads in the sand? Who the fuck are these people that don't care that an American president is being toyed with by a foreign adversarial leader? What is happening? Why is this not a big deal for Republicans who claim to love their country? Do, do they want it to be, its power to be usurped by, by Vladimir Putin? What is going, this is why I get so angry. And every time I think that I'm calming down a little bit, I'm settling in on Donald Trump being the president. Something like this happens. And it's, God damn it, what is happening? This isn't a partisanship issue. This should be an issue for every patriotic American who is concerned about the vitality and the independence of our country. Uh, anyway, <laughs> let, let's move on to the speech and then we'll wrap it up. Donald Trump gave his first speech to a joint session of Congress. I don't know the reasons why they weren't calling it a State of the Union. Maybe it's because he hasn't been in office yet to because to, the State of the Union he's talking about is really technically Obama's union the state of the union he created i don't know is that what it is
3: i i don't know but that sounds good
2: they're calling it a joint address or the joint session so he gave this speech and we're not going to go over every aspect of this obviously not in the next only few minutes but what there's something that bothered me a lot about the speech and it was the reaction of the media afterward granted this is only cnn but the clips that i've seen across the board We're very similar to this, where they're just heaping praises on Donald Trump, where they're acting as though he he's a changed man. Let me give you a flavor of the speech and we'll 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 play some reactions
0: and defend the citizens of the United States. We are also taking strong measures to protect our nation from radical Islamic terrorism. According to data provided by the Department of Justice, the vast majority of individuals convicted of terrorism and terrorism-related offenses since 9-11 came here from outside of our country. We have seen the attacks at home from Boston to San Bernardino to the Pentagon and, yes, even the World Trade Center. We have seen the attacks in France, in Belgium, in Germany, and all over the world. It is not compassion, but reckless to allow uncontrolled entry from places where proper vetting cannot
2: occur.
3: And what places are those?
2: Those places don't exist. We do vet. We have a very extensive vetting process. But the, the places that he named there, or the, the attacks that he named, those places wouldn't have been affected by the travel ban because they Boston Orlando San Bernardino none of the countries that he banned or he implemented his travel ban quote unquote none of them were were involved there it was Pakistan it was Chechnya it was different countries other than the ones he banned so he's it's a false narrative he's putting out there so But he did, you know, it it was a speech. It was just like his acceptance speech or any other speech where he doesn't go off the rails, where he doesn't ad-lib ever. And he didn't ad-lib at all here. So he came across as, quote unquote, presidential, even though it was probably the worst speech ever given to a joint session of Congress because he's not a public speaker, mainly because he's dumb. (laughs) But chiefly, I think I was mostly bothered by Van Jones, who got a little gushy when talking about this particular section from the speech.
0: We are blessed to be joined tonight by Corinne Owens, the widow of U.S. Navy Special Operator, Senior Chief William Ryan Owens. Ryan died as he lived, a warrior and a hero, battling against terrorism and securing our nation.
2: And then Trump claps into the mic. He
8: became president of the United States in that moment, period. <laughs> there are a lot of people Come on. who have a lot of reason to be frustrated with him, to be fearful of him, to be mad at him. But that was one of the most extraordinary moments you have ever seen in American politics, period. And he did something extraordinary. And for people who have been hoping that he would become unifying, hoping that he might find some way to become presidential, they should be happy with that moment. Mm -hmm. For people who have been hoping that maybe he would remain a divisive cartoon, which he often finds a way to do, they should begin to become a little bit worried tonight. Because that thing you just saw him do. If he finds a way to do that over and over again, he's going to be there for eight years. Now, there is a lot that he said in that speech that was counterfactual, that was not right, that I oppose and will oppose. But he did something tonight that you cannot take away from him. He became President of the United States.
3: A couple of things. I saw this happen live. I I watched him say this live. And it shocked me in the moment because van jones is normally very reasonable logical and he's a champion for yeah progressive ideals right sure and when he said this i was just wondering what in the hell he was talking about it's extraordinary what donald trump did reading from the teleprompter and showing like some semblance of compassion is extraordinary yeah would anyone have said that about Obama giving a speech and being compassionate? Would we have said, oh, that's extraordinary? No, we wouldn't have said that because that's something we should just expect.
2: Right, but the bar is so goddamn low with Trump.
3: Right, and it's still low. This isn't about polarization. This is just being prudent, okay? Not changing our mind immediately after one speech. Right. Donald Trump has already gone back on this, oh, I'm, I'm Trump, the statesman. No, he's tweeting and being a douche again. It only took a couple days. It only Alrighty. took a couple of days. That's right. That's right. couple Talking of days. about the
2: witch hunt, the witch hunt of Jeff Sessions, tweeting about Chuck Schumer being involved with the Russians. Come on.
3: A total hypocrite exclamation point. He's back to who he is. Right.
2: So they, the message should have been not... This is extraordinary, and Donald Trump became the president of the United States today. It should have been, eh, we'll wait and see. Yes. Let's wait two fucking days and see if he turns out to be the Trump we all know he's gonna be. Because now, they look like morons. And it's not just Van Jones. Anna Navarro got her turn at the moron table, too.
5: Anna, your thoughts on last night's speech? Whatever they slipped in his Coca Cola in the afternoon, they need to keep giving it to him, hopefully intravenously, every night. <laughs> Look, he, you know, who knew he was capable of sounding sane for a prolonged period of time? Who knew he had the attention span to actually stick to the teleprompter and be coherent? Who knew that he could be unifying? He finally came out and vociferously, full throatedly. Condemned anti-Semitic acts. That was a great way to start, a great unifying and so needed way to start. If he realizes the power of the presidency derives from strength
6: and leadership, far more than from counterpunching, this can be a powerful change now in how Donald Trump leads. And if he does that, as you've seen from the CNN polls last night, the number of people who watch who believe now America is in the right direction under his leadership is increasing sharply. As opposed to last fall when two-thirds of the American people said the country was on the wrong direction. He has the ingredients to be a successful, popular president. A tone like last night will help him get there.
5: It was the best delivery of a speech that president trump has given no doubt about it uh, but there were a lot of pieces And even as as the speech was ending you could see people starting to question well what did he mean by health care what there were republicans who thought they heard he was endorsing their plan there were others who thought he was endorsing their plan uh... we didn't hear a lot of details on tax reform and what he wanted to do the tone was smart and a lot of it is the expectations game going into any of these speeches so there was either an intervention by his team or maybe he woke up and saw the coverage and wanted to do something different but the question now is where do you go from here? Does he maintain the same tone? what does he do? does he actually have a plan on health care? Do the Republicans have clear marching orders moving forward? I think what he accomplished is probably unifying the Republicans mm-hmm. but there are still a lot of questions from the Democrats about these policies and and what they will do
2: And that was probably the sanest thing said all night relative to his performance at the speech because anybody who who is going to heap praise upon him because he didn't act like an asshole in a state of the union address i just it's baffling it's like they don't know and haven't witnessed donald trump over the course of the last year and a half or his entire adult life yeah act like an unmitigated disaster of a human being
3: yeah well it's like him being on the bus talking about grabbing pussies and then when he steps off the bus he's ready to be on the tv we know who donald trump is just because he's different at one point in time doesn't mean that it erases all of his previous behavior that we don't now think he's completely a different person we know who he is we know what he's up to he's he's
2: 70 he's not changing
3: it's very irrational to hear the speech and then react in this way I, I, I am very confused by it. It's, well, I don't know.
2: Here, th- this should give everybody hope. And also it bolsters mine, and I, I think Britney's also, her claim that Jake Tapper is a goddamn stud. J- Tap at CNN is the man. Here he is talking about Donald Trump's speech and putting it into a realistic perspective that everyone should enjoy.
6: The day after President Trump's first address to a joint session of Congress, his critics are wondering whether it was a pivot to a more presidential tone or simply a one-time performance. The speech went over very well with most people who watched it. According to our CNN ORC poll, 57 percent of viewers had a very positive reaction to the speech. Now, that's lower than the responses to similar speeches by Presidents Obama and Bush, but it's still quite a high number. Perhaps the most moving moment of the night came when the president paid tribute to fallen navy seal chief petty officer ryan owens
0: ryan's legacy is etched into eternity thank you. thank you
6: the president also say that ryan died as he lived a warrior and a hero as his widow his gold star wife watched and wept from the seat next to the president's daughter ivanka an incredibly moving and incredibly powerful moment but it is important for all of us to focus not only on special moments in big speeches like that, but also on larger policy implications. Words matter, deeds matter as well. Case in point, the Yemen raid in which 30 civilians, including nine children, were killed, according to the government of Yemen, as well as, of course, Chief Petty Officer Owens. After the raid went down, the chairman of the Senate Armed Services Committee and a former POW himself, Senator John McCain, questioned how much of a success the raid truly was. The response from the White House and Press Secretary Sean Spicer was this.
4: The life of Chief Ryan Owens was done in service to this country, and we owe him and his family a great debt for the information that we received during that raid. I think any suggestion otherwise is a disservice to his courageous life and the actions that he just took, full stop.
6: Questioning the planning and wisdom behind any military operation does not do a disservice to the heroes who conducted the operation. Quite the contrary, it honors them. It's why we have civilian control of the military. And the legislative branch, well, it has an obligation to conduct oversight over the executive branch. In fact, Ryan Owens' father over the weekend called for an investigation into the Yemen raid. He told the White House, quote, don't hide behind my son's death. When it comes to holding the administration accountable, however, just a few hours before his address to Congress, the president said this about the Yemen operation and Chief Petty Officer Owens.
0: My generals are the most respected that we've had in many decades, I I believe. Uh, And they lost Ryan.
6: They lost Ryan. Quote, they lost Ryan. But they didn't lose him. We did. We all did as a nation. And one might think that the commander-in-chief who signed off on that raid would also think in terms of we lost Ryan. Accountability and responsibility, these are important principles.
2: Fuck you, Donald Trump. You goddamn five-time draft-dodging coward. You're now the commander-in-chief of the armed forces. You're the boss of the generals, which ultimately makes you the boss of chief petty officer, senior chief petty officer, Ryan Owens. The man you sent to his death, in a hastily planned raid. And then you want to put it on the the generals that they lost the Navy SEAL.
3: Well, it's also, remember that whole dog and pony show with the going on the helicopter to get the body because it was his first loss as president. What happened to that? Right. What happened to really feeling that and wanting to be connected to that?
2: You can't pass the buck when you're the commander-in-chief, Donald Trump jake tapper continues and this is about the anti-semitism and the hate crimes that have been taking place by the dozens across the country in fewer than two months since he's been president in the wake of well we'll just let jake talk about it the president had expressed hope that this speech
6: would be a way to to better communicate with the American people. And he received high marks, not only for that moment with the gold star wife and not only for his tenor and tone, but also for how he led off his speech by this part in which he unequivocally condemned acts of hate.
0: Recent threats targeting Jewish community centers and vandalism of Jewish cemeteries as well as last week's shooting in Kansas City remind us that while we may be a nation divided on policies, we are a country that stands united in condemning hate and evil in all of its very ugly
6: forms. It was a strong, declarative statement issued without qualification, but it came after a a year-and-a-half campaign during which the president refrained from any full-throated, extensive condemnation of the white supremacists and anti-Semites who supported him. And interestingly, just hours before the speech last night, the president met with state attorneys general in a meeting at the White House. And according to the attorney general of the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, who asked about the threats against the Jewish community centers and day schools, more than 100 incidents in recent weeks, President Trump suggested that it might not be anti-Semites spreading this fear and making these threats, but perhaps Trump political opponents trying to make him and his supporters Look bad a theory for which there is as of now no public evidence and one that many in the Jewish community to be charitable found a tad tone deaf. Words in a big, important speech are important, no doubt. These words, they sounded great.
0: The time for small thinking is over. The time for trivial fights is behind us.
6: The lovely words of a prepared speech, however, cannot erase extemporaneous words and deeds, thousands of them, that have run contrary to those aspirations. You know, sometimes you don't feel the whiplash till the day after.
2: Thank you, Jake Tapper. It's awesome. Someone with a little sanity, with a little fucking perspective, with a a memory that's longer than that of a fucking fruit fly. (laughs) Come on. Which is it, Donald Trump? Is anti-Semitism a scourge that should be wiped out and not tolerated? And we should have federal authorities looking into this to prosecute these crimes to the fullest extent of the law? Or is it a false flag by the Jews? Is it a false flag by your political opponents? Is Obama putting people up to something?
3: It can't be both. How often are people going to give this guy the benefit of the doubt? Because he's all over the place. So what, what, what's most rational is either to believe he's a bad person or to believe that you can't form an opinion because he's all over the place and you don't really know how he feels. Why would the default be to trust this guy?
2: Right. No, I have no idea. I have no idea. Listen, his speech wasn't just handed to him the day he gave the speech. The moment he gave the speech the speech was being developed and written and rewritten over the course of probably two weeks. So when he made that remark to the attorneys general, the state's attorneys general, and said that he believes it was it's a false flag operation created by his political opponents, opponents to make him look bad, he already had read his speech. He knew what he was going to say that evening, and it didn't click in his head to, maybe that should be my narrative, more of unity, less of division but he chose not to. He chose extemporaneously because that's what's in his head. That's really what's in his head, not words someone else wrote for him. He chose to say that he believes it's a false flag, which, by the way, is the exact same narrative being put forth by David goddamn Duke, the former grand wizard of the Ku Klux Klan. He and Donald Trump agree. They are simpatico. They are in lockstep with one another relative to that issue. That should give you pause. Speaking of pause, we're going to leave you there. (laughs) (laughs) I need to go get drunk because I am fired up right
3: now. It is still the morning.
2: I know. Listen, we love you guys. Sorry about being late this time, but you know what? That's That's what happens when you got a dumb guy as a host who can't figure shit out. We love you guys. We appreciate you. If you too would like to help us f- contribute to the show, push us toward that that number to to enable us to do a third show a week, please consider doing so. You can go to patreon.com slash You can donate just independently on a monthly basis on PayPal. We love you guys for it. Uh, go rate and review the show. Buy stuff on Amazon through the Amazon link. All the different ways. You guys, ah, we're building something special here and you are making it happen with us. We love you and we appreciate you and we will see you next time. For Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollamore and this has been
3: I Doubt It. Everyone's going to find out that I'm a fraud. Imposter syndrome.
2: (laughs) Is that what it's called?
3: Yeah.